Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. This is Season 2, Episode 48, In Him, Part 3. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. Today, I want to really zone in on how we experience the truth that we are in Him and what that means to us, you know, in our daily lives. I always try to make this practical. I always try to make this very, you know, rubber meets the road. Uh, the whole point of Word Without Walls ministry, of course, is to bring the word without all the walls of religion and with, with just try to make it simple, try to make it practical, try to make it something we can use that will help us uh, on a day-to-day -day basis where the rubber meets the road. And some of these concepts, to me, like like the whole idea of being, quote-unquote, in Christ, the fact that we've and I say we, but I mean, you know, religious folk, the fact that it's kind of been turned into like a VIP club, like religious people have decided that they get to decide who's in Christ and who isn't. And really what it, it comes down to from that perspective is uh, obeying the rules or the laws or the ideas of whatever culture you're in at the time. Because if you really look at some of the laws that came from the Ten Commandments, some of the 600 and however many odd laws that they made, we break a lot of those on a daily basis. The dietary laws, uh, the laws about not mixing, you know, different uh, types of fabric in our clothes and all of these different things. Like, no, nobody does those things. I don't want to say nobody, but, but pretty much nobody does those things, especially in 2022. Like, those are not things that people think about when they think about being in Christ. And I agree with that because I don't think about those kind of things as far as being in Christ either. But the problem is, is when these religious folks decide that, for example, like, oh, if they don't like a certain book series or a certain author or a certain TV show or a certain movie, then they decide that, well, if you read that book or if you watch that show or if you listen to that program, then you're not a good Christian. You're not in Christ. You're sinning. You're you're living in sin. All of these different things. Like, like we put our own morality on everything. We put our own culture on everything. We decide what is Christ-like kind of by more or less kind of almost the rule of the day, which is kind of strange when you consider that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The The one thing that I believe that is important to the God who is love has never changed, will never change, can never change, because it's love. Love never fails because love endures. Love is always there. You know, the Bible says that he promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. So while we change and while, you know, society changes and while the world changes and while even while morality changes throughout time and throughout places and throughout history, love doesn't change. Love, the greatest love you can have, which Jesus defined as laying your life down for your friends, that, that definition never changes. My personal definition of love, which is to gladly spend everything you have and everything you are, even though it might seem like the more you love somebody, the less they love you, that never changes. Like that's an absolute. That's what love is. Love is giving. So when we're talking about being in Christ, and I just spent two weeks, hopefully really showing why I believe that we all are in Christ, all of us. He drew us all into himself. 
Like that happened. And it had nothing to do with any individual person except the individual person of Jesus. He did it because he wanted to do it because he wanted us to be able to experience his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of love. He wanted us to have that life. So he gave it to us. He didn't just die for us. He died as us. And because he died, we died. And then because he rose again and we were in him, we rose again. And now we can experience his life as he lives it in us and through us and as us. But having said that, the truth is the truth, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. God is love and that never changes. Some people have crazy different ideas about who God is, what he's all about, what he's capable of, what he's willing to do. But the truth of the matter is, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether I know it or not, whether I believe it or not, God is love. That's the truth. And to me, that's the ultimate truth of the universe. God is love and he loves you. Here's the here's the rub. Here's the trick. It's the truth you know that can benefit you. It's the truth you know that you can experience fully. And I say experience fully because I believe that we all experience God's love in so many ways that we don't even recognize it. We don't even notice it. I'm convinced that he protects us from things that we don't even know we need a protection from. Like we like I'm 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 so sure that there are times in my life when something could have or should have happened and God protected me from it. And I didn't even know. I had no idea. I didn't ask him to do it. I didn't pray for him to do it. I didn't beg him to do it. I didn't try to earn it from him. He just did it because he loves me. And it's the same way that I would treat my son. I always try with my son to get out in front of things, to make sure that uh, I think, uh, you know, what's the old term? Uh, An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of uh, fixing it or whatever it is. Basically, it's saying, if you can get out in front of something and prevent something from happening, that's a lot easier than fixing it after it happens. The same idea of training up a child in the way he should go instead of always trying to fix people or fix things. or It's better just to build them up right. And I think that's what God does with us a lot of times when we don't even know it. He protects us from things. He, he allows us to go through things that we can handle, even though it doesn't always feel like we can handle it. Listen, if you're here today, you've survived every single bad day you've ever had. You've survived it. And you're still strong and you're still standing and you're still moving forward. And that's what's important. So it's almost kind of tricky to me to hopefully help us to understand the idea of being in Christ in the universal, eternal he drew us all into himself concept versus the being in Christ as a individual experience, experiencing that Christ life in, in, in our daily lives. And again, that's, that's what's important to me is where the rubber meets the road. You guys know if you've listened to this, if especially if you listen to my one about the afterlife, I'm not real worried about what happens after our physical body dies. Uh, specifically because there's nothing I can do about it. I can't prove that what I think about it is true, and neither can you. So I'm not worried about it. God's going to do what he's going to do as far as that goes. I'm a firm believer that what we have right now is right now, and we want to do the best that we can with what we have. 
And that's a big part of my ministry is hopefully equipping and empowering us to be able to experience Jesus's life in, in, a, in a more full, real way. And I believe that the way that we do that, as we're going to see today, is by letting the mind of Christ that we already have in us be in us. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, in the King James Version reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And whenever I read this verse, I always like to point out that that phrase, are become new, it sounds clunky and it doesn't, you know, it's not modern language, but it means has become new, is becoming new, and will become new. So it's, it's a, I, I, I think it's called a perfect present tense where, where it means, you know, all three of those, uh, it was, is, and will be. And the way that that works is God has made all things new, but we are coming into the experiential knowledge of the newness of Christ through the knowledge of him and through the knowledge of uh, ourselves in him and him in us and what all of that means. Remember, I rant all the time about how uh, we are the sons of God right now, even though it doesn't always look like it, even though we don't know what that means in fullness. But when he appears, and I believe he appears to us every day in a lot of ways, when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The more we understand who he is, the more we understand who we are, because that's who we are. Jesus is our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. So it's not that we're changing into something. It's that what we have been changed into is being revealed to us so that we can stop trying to change into something. And so we can simply be who we are. So we can embrace who we are. So it's so frustrating when I see people trying to get something they think they haven't got, even though they already have it, by being somebody that they think they're not, even though they're already who they're supposed to be. This isn't about being somebody you're not. It's about embracing who you are, knowing who you really are, understanding who you are in Christ, which is who Christ is in you. But I don't want to disregard the fact that there's the word if in this verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, it seems to say that some are and some aren't. And again, I just spent two weeks laying out uh, my case for the fact that we're all in him because he drew us all into himself and he planted himself in all of us. So how do I reconcile those two ideas? We're all in Christ, but if any man be in Christ, well, simply because to me, the truth is we're all in Christ, but it's the truth you know and the truth you believe that really equips and empowers you to be who you are. So to me, this idea of being in Christ uh, in a if any man be in Christ sense comes from the the knowledge and the faith that we have in the finished work of the cross. It comes from, it's almost like the idea of water baptism. It's that purposeful, individual, uh, informed commitment to the truth. It's accepting the truth. See, the truth has set us free and made us free. But if you don't know you've been set free and made free, you'll still live like a prisoner. It's like we were all in jail and Jesus came and unlocked the door. And if you don't know that the door is unlocked, you you might not try to 
get out of the prison. Or you might try to get out any other way but through the door, which Jesus said, you know, if any man tries to get into the sheepfold any other way but the door, he's a thief and a robber. And the problem is, is that we, we are the thieves and we rob ourselves from experiencing the gift we've already been given when we try to earn something that can't be earned. We're not earning this newness. We're not earning the truth of being in Christ. We're just accepting it. We're, we're fighting the good fight of faith, which is laying hold of the gift of eternal life. We've already been given that gift, but we need to lay hold of it. We need to receive it. We need to receive it and release it. And we receive it by releasing it, and we release it by receiving it. We fill ourselves to overflowing with what God has already filled us with, and in that way, we experience it by giving it away. Because what he has filled us with is himself. It's his love. And love is giving. You experience love by giving it in the in the most pure way. I know you experience it when somebody gives it to you. And I know that you can't give what you don't have. So you have to receive it first. But in fullness, you experience love by giving love. You experience love by loving people. We love because he first loved us. God loves us, and then we love him back by loving each other. That's as simple as I can make it. So this says in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it reads, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And I almost like that better because anyone who belongs to Christ to me, that makes it easier to understand what I'm trying to say in that we all belong to him. He paid for us with his blood on the cross, and we all belong to him. There's a lot of things about slavery in the Bible, and there's a, a, a beautiful story about the love slave who nails his ear to the door. And I always like to make the parallel that, uh, you know, John, Jesus's disciple, nailed his ear to the door when he laid his head on Jesus's breast and he heard the heartbeat of God. And that's why I like John's writings the best. I like his gospel the best and I like his letters to the churches the best. I think he really could hear the heart of God and had such a, a, a wonderful way of sharing the heart of God. All of his, all of his writings are, are all about love. And I think that that comes from nailing his ear to the door. I think that comes from him laying his head on Jesus's breast and hearing the heartbeat of God. So again, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The trick here is having a new life, but learning what that new life is and learning what it means to live that new life. It's almost like a lot of times uh, you see like, I guess the term is like a, a uh, what is it called? Uh, a dry alcoholic, right? It's like somebody who is an alcoholic and feels the, the compulsion to drink, but they don't do it. But that's still where they're at and they want to do it and they struggle with it and they fight with it. And even though they're living, uh, in a sense, a new life, they're still so tied to that old life. And a lot of times I think that's how it is, even in, in, in the quote unquote Christian world is, people will say, okay, well, God forgave my sins. And then they'll still struggle with those same sins. And, you know, again, with, with what I think is an improper uh, understanding of sin as quote unquote bad deeds instead of bad believing, because I believe that what you do flows from what you believe. I don't think behavior modification is, is very effective. Uh, I think once you get right believing, then you will 
have right behavior. But anyway, my point is, is that all uh, old things are passed away, right? The old life is gone. We need to stop clinging to that old life and we need to stop trying to live a better version of that old life. And we need to embrace the new life. It's completely new. It's completely different. It's radically new and radically different. It's a life of love. It's a life where it's a life of rest where you don't have to try to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow anymore. And I'm not saying that that means that you don't do anything. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is Holy Spirit-directed activity. Paul wrote in the Bible, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's not what I'm saying. I believe very strongly in working for a living. I believe very strongly in taking care of yourself and the people uh, that you're responsible for. You know, in my case, like, I, I take care of my kid. That's my responsibility. Nobody else's, because he's my kid. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying uh, once you uh, receive Jesus and accept Jesus that you don't do anything. Because again, rest is Holy Spirit-directed activity. And the Holy Spirit will direct you to get off your butt and do some things. The Holy Spirit has directed me to write some books. And I've written, at this point, like a lot of books. Most of them Jesus books. So that's, you know, that's part of my calling. That's part of the gift that God has given me. And, and you know, I, I rant a lot also about uh, the power of God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The will comes from him. I didn't just have an idea one day to write a Jesus book. God planted that in me. And all I had to do was just, you know, get off my butt and do what God had for me to do. Uh, it's the same thing with Moses. God told him to go talk to Pharaoh. It's the same thing with Jonah. God told him to go preach in Nineveh. God will direct you and he will tell you what he wants you to do. And the trick is, is that it's a trust issue. And sometimes people have trouble trusting God, which... I, I don't know. I hear some crazy things when, when people learn that I'm a pastor or when people learn that I'm spiritual or whatever you want to call it. People will tell me all their horror stories about God and, you know, how, uh, oh, God hates me because this, this, and no, God does not hate you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. God is love. He can't hate you, right? You can't, if he would, for God to do anything but love you, he would have to stop being God. And even if he could do that, he wouldn't do that. So I don't know. The the the, the thoughts people have about God are, are not God's thoughts about himself or about the people a lot of times, which is why, again, it's so important that we understand what it means to make this commitment to be in him because we are already in him. It's the same idea of uh, being not conformed to the world, but being transformed into what we've already been transformed into by the washing of the word. He shows us who we are, and then we can be who we are. So let me read, uh, let me go, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That's as boldly and as simply as I can put it. We have the mind of Christ. That's not something we need. That's something we have. The trick is to use what we have. And we can only use it if we know that we have it. See how this is all kind of working together? He gave us his life. He gave us his mind. He gave us his spirit. He he gave us everything that we need. We have, uh, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ. 
We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have everything we need. We don't need anything else. We don't need to change. We don't need to be somebody we're not. We simply need to start to understand what we have and start to use what we have. And again, you use it by giving it away. You test the height and length and depth and breadth of God's love by loving people bigger and stronger and harder and longer than you ever thought that you could. That's how you test his love. And that's how you prove his love to yourself. When you love somebody so big that you're proving to yourself that God loves you so big. Jesus said the new commandment for the new man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, right? The new commandment for the new man is to love one another as he has loved you, to receive his love and to release it. God loves us and we love him back by loving each other. That's the whole key to the whole thing. To me, that's what it means to be in him on every level, to know and experience and understand his love. And I know we can't fully understand it. I, I did a rant about that a couple of few weeks ago where uh, it, it's okay that it's too big for us because this, the, the whole point of this whole journey, it's a journey into the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is the heart. It's God's heart beating in our chests. We don't have to understand it in order to do it. You don't have to understand the depth of God's love for you to, to love deeper than you ever have before. You just have to walk by faith and not by sight. You just have to step out there and give what you've got. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it heartily to the best of your ability because it's in your heart to do it. God put it in your heart to do it. And not only did he put it in your heart to do it, but he put the ability in you to do it. So we have the mind of Christ. Like, I hope that that's established. I'll read it again to just to really hopefully drive it home. 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Done deal. Not something we need, something we have. Here's the trick and here's the key. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In the King James Version, it reads, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We have to let the mind that's already in us, the mind that we already have, we have to let that mind be in us. We have to use what we have. We have to use the mind of Christ. We have to use the gifts that we've been given. And again, you can't use them until you know and believe and understand that you have them. If you're just trying to get things that you think you haven't got, you're going to miss out on what you already have. And that's tragic to me. I have no lack because my God has no lack. I don't have to worry about things because Jesus takes care of me. My Heavenly Father, who is the creator of everything in the universe, has my back. And he knows what I need before I even know what I need. And he's willing, not only willing, but he has already given us exceeding abundantly more than we could ever ask or even think. I'm telling you guys... Our lives are so good because God loves us. Even the people who think he doesn't, even the people who are mad at him, even the people who fight with him or deny him, he still loves you and he still takes care of you because that's what love is. You don't stop loving somebody because you're mad at them, right? Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is a commitment. Love never fails because love endures and it will endure anything. Love never fails. It doesn't always look like what you think it should look like, and it doesn't always get you the result that you think it should get, but it never fails. 
God's purpose is sure. God's purpose is everlasting. God's purpose will come to pass and it will stand. But I like this in the uh, New Living Translation, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Again, in the King James, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And in order to let the mind of Christ that we already have be in us, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We have to be able to think and understand the thoughts of God. And I believe it's Jeremiah 29, 11 says something along the lines of God saying, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring you an expected end. Those are God's thoughts. His thoughts are peace. His thoughts are mercy. His thoughts are grace. His thoughts are forgiveness. His thoughts, in a word, are love. What else could love think? What else could the God who is love think but love? What else would he think? What else would he be interested in? I don't think the heart is interested in anything but love. I know that sometimes some things can get in there. Bitterness can get in there. Hurt can get in there. But I think at the end of the day, the heart is concerned with and interested in and cares about love. That's why it gets hurt. You want somebody to love you and they don't. And that hurts. But the focus is not the hurt. The focus is love. When we focus on the hurt, we get twisted around. When we focus on the bitterness, we get twisted around. When we focus on unforgiveness, we get twisted around. And those are the things that are not the mind of Christ. And those are the things that we need to get rid of in our attitude. We need to have an attitude of gratitude so that we can understand and experience and share and enjoy the fruit of Jesus's labor. He said it is finished. That means the job is done. And when the job is done, you get to, you get to reap the reward from it. And since he did the job, not just for us, but as us, that means we did the job. We finished it and we get to have those fruits of his labor. When he drew us into himself from that point on, what was true of him was true of us. His death was our death. His resurrection was our resurrection. His life is our life. It's a new life. It's a completely different life. It's not you get to try again with the old life in the same rules. I mean, just and that in and of itself would be awesome. I, I could use some do-overs in my life. You know, when you're playing golf and you hit a really bad shot and you either hope nobody sees it or you hope whoever you're playing with is willing to let you take a mulligan. I could use some of those in my life. I've made some mistakes. And, you know, I always joke because my dad says, oh, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but never the same one twice. And then I'll say, well, in that way, we are not alike because I like to make the same mistake four or five or 10 or 12 times just to make sure that it's really a mistake. And there are times in my life that I can look back and I can say, man, I'd like to do that over. Man, I'd like to do that differently. But that's not what this is. This is not God pushing the reset button and saying, try again. This is God saying, here's something completely new and different and better. This is a more excellent way. When we live our lives with the understanding that we are in him because he is in us, it moves us to a whole different dimension. It moves us out of the, the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. It moves us out of death and into life. It moves us out of the world and into the kingdom. We are not slaves anymore, but we're saints. 
We're not sinners anymore, but we're sons. We don't have to keep struggling with all of the things that we struggled with before we get this revelation of Jesus. We can leave those things behind. The book of Hebrews talks about laying aside the sin and the weight that so easily besets us, which again, to me, is unbelief. If you're believing wrong, you're going to struggle with things because you don't know that you're an overcomer. And when I say you're an overcomer, that does not mean you have the ability to overcome good luck. You're an overcomer because you have overcome. You don't have to overcome these things. You just have to realize that you've already overcome them. You don't have to struggle with these things because Jesus took all of that with him on the cross and he fulfilled it and he got rid of it for us. So we can move out of the old and into the new. And we do that by letting the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us, by using the mind of Christ that we have, by knowing the thoughts of God, by thinking the thoughts of God, by living the thoughts of God. We live from the inside out, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. What's inside is too big and too powerful. It will come out. Whatever you believe is inside of you, that's what flows out of you. Again, whether it's hurt or bitterness or anger or sadness or whether it's mercy and grace and forgiveness and love. And that's a choice you really that you get to make because what you feed is what will grow. What you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. When you use that mind of Christ, when you focus on the good things of God, when you let his love be not just central to your life, but every corner of your life, every aspect of your life, when you let his love shine and his light shine and his life shine into every corner of your life, then there will be no darkness. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. We are that same light. We are the light of the world. If you are light, there can't be any darkness in you. So stop trying to be somebody you're not and just figure out who you really are, which is who you are in Christ, which is who Christ is in you. And we do that by letting the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us by using the mind of Christ that we already have. I think I'm going to do another one of these next week, but we'll see when we see y'all next week. Thanks, guys. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.